0: Welcome, this is Why Life Is, and I'm Miles McFlower. Tonight, hey, it should be a really great show, uh, considering it is July 4th, and uh, I thought we would have a show dealing with something about America, and uh, I thought this show would be right on target, and tonight's show is Ageless Wisdom and the Spiritual Development of America in the World. So uh, if the title doesn't make sense to you, it will in a few minutes. But I think for a lot of people, you can say, oh, yeah, I think I know what that means. And uh, the, the last, um, in the last couple of weeks, actually, I've been really interested in um, Dinesh uh, D'Souza's um, uh, book and now movie I haven't yet seen the movie, but the book is really good. Of course, I gave a sort of a brief uh, review of the book myself. And uh, I thought that it would help to probably talk about angel's wisdom and how America fits into that scheme. And to begin with, I want to talk about uh, some of the historical elements of angel's wisdom. Before there was any uh, United States or America, and um, before actually uh there was uh really uh what well, we have today any history of um of the world because uh angel's wisdom goes back uh a good deal of time before uh the recorded history of today anyway and uh in that time frame uh there was other civilizations that uh, pretty much are, uh, we'll say, sketchy at best is what's what's known about them. During the Atlantean civilization, um, it was uh, uh, always considered that uh, the continent that we call North America would play a significant role during the time of uh, development of uh, the fifth and beyond, uh, we'll call it main races of uh, of human beings. The um, the fifth um, uh, race uh, is more mental, and uh, the uh, the focus in the North American continent was supposed to take over after the European, which is fully the, where the beginning of, of the mental issues came into play, take it over and uh, bring it to a spiritual level. So in other words, the the development of just the monastic quality in terms of mundane issues, mundane means just, you know, everyday kind of stuff, um, would uh, would happen in Europe. Because Europe is a fifth-ray continent. And then uh, as uh more uh, spiritual and we'll call it less religiosity types of consciousness was developed, uh, it would move over, the, the, the development of the fifth race would would continue to develop past its center, which is where it's at right now, by the way, and um, continue to develop um, beginning about 100 years ago or so in the 20th century in here uh, in uh, the United States, and what some people might consider even Canada, Mexico's a mixed issue. You know, a lot of people say, well, Mexico's in in North America, isn't it? Well, you know, kind of, uh, you know, depending upon how you want to look at the way it's divided up, but... But you know it's it's very closely closely connected to Central America, and it is, by most people's standards, at least a, a in part, part of Central America. But it's not if you talk about Southern Mexico. And so if you if you look at how the whole uh, you know the division of the geometry is a bit um, hard to completely figure out because a lot of it's political and it really is in flux. Uh, I mean, Mexico at one point went into uh, a quarter of the United States, right? And now it's not there uh, because the United States pushed them out. Okay, you know, that's the best way to look at it. But uh, the 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 point I'm trying to get at is that the rest of the spiritual development, the remainder, starting with the sixth sub race of the uh, fifth fifth main race. Um and that's a six and seven sub races, but it starts with the sixth uh is going is supposed to be taking place in uh what we consider to be north america and this is um this was decided a long long time ago now the peoples from Atlantis that settled in uh what we' we'll call north America. Uh, those folks uh, were from Europe. I know that sounds hard to believe because everybody thinks they came from Asia. But the majority of them came from Europe and uh, from colonies of of, of the Alientean, uh Empire from Europe. And some of them were degenerated in terms of their development. They were older subraces that had degenerated. And they... They couldn't really come back to live in Atlantis as the, the continent existed because that was a bit too advanced for them in its development. But they went around uh, Atlantis because it was easy to do because the oceans are hundreds of feet lower and it was, you know, it was, uh, there was land and ice you can get on. And so it was possible to cross, and uh, it was also possible to cross even somewhat on water if you really wanted to do it that way but you'd have to go around the parts of Atlantis that remained at that time. And they came over to uh, the United States and settled on the eastern side of the United States, Uh, not so much in Canada, but there may have been some. And then uh, some folks came from Asia, that's true, but they came uh, surprisingly much later. Um, And when they came, uh, we're talking about Probably ten to 12,000 years ago, Atlantis was going down or had gone down, and when it finished going down, the climate changed because of the, um, the Gulf Stream, uh, no longer blocked by Atlantis, and uh, that changed a lot of the weather. So we had some significant weather changes and other factors involved. And it actually warmed up, and the ice age ended. There was a mini-ice age in between some of this interaction, and then uh, then we the end of it. Depending upon what parts of Atlantis are going down, and finally completely disappeared. So um, all of that taking place. When we consider how this country was originally populated, it was populated by people from mostly Europe, surprisingly, that were degenerated Atlanteans, but but creating colonies of Atlantis. Uh, And we would refer to these as the historically distant relatives of some Indians that we later would call uh, natives of America. And then some came through the Asia route uh, when the Siberian, uh connection uh, of islands rose above sea level, of course, because for 300 or 400 feet, they were above, and there was a land bridge, more or less, to Alaska and in through that, through Canada, et cetera. Some of those people settled in Canada, but the majority came down into the uh, United States. And um, they tended to move into the southwest, and, well, we'll call it the west, both northwest and southwest, and the uh, people from Europe to, to, that were degenerate came from the other side, which is um, in, into the eastern part of the United States. Now, the interesting part about all of this is about ageless wisdom. Those folks that came in were, um, were still fourth-race people. You have to understand this. They were not fifth-race people. They were fourth-race people. And you might say, well, what do do they hold? What do they give to the United States? Well, the critical element of them was that they were six and seven sub-races, the spiritual sub-races of the fourth race, but they were uh, not like the folks of um, what we'll call uh, the evil parts of Atlantis, because those six and seven sub-races on Atlantis proper... Became uh, evil. One in four people of those of those folks became evil, and the remaining remaining three were darker than they should have been in terms of their consciousness. So they weren't as spiritual as they should have been. But the odd thing about it is that these other people, who were degenerating from the sixth and seventh uh, actually were the more spiritual. I know a lot of people are going to say, I don't understand that. If they're degenerating, how could they be more spiritual? Well, this has happened throughout history. If you go back to Lemuria, the same kind of thing happened. Being spiritual does not mean that you necessarily retain all of your higher senses and higher abilities in a mundane capability, although you could if you fused the senses. What they did is they developed their spiritual senses but somewhat neglected the complete development of all their senses, and so they, they were the odd ducks that still maintained a spiritual connection, we'll say, closer to the idea of God and spirit, but at the same time declined in their overall civilization. As your, their mundane senses declined, their civilization declined, and ability to grow or build the civilization declined. So the American Indians that came in, that were of the sixth and seventh sub-races, uh, Uh, It turns out that these folks were more spiritual, but they didn't have the ability to develop much civilization because they were colonies that were kind of colonies that were kind that were also that had lost a lot of contact with Atlantis because they didn't want it because the Atlanteans at that time were horrible, and they were safer not having contact, and they wanted to pretty much be left alone. But at the same time, they were more spiritual. So ipso facto, as they say, the uh, then Native Americans turn out to be basically spiritual people, but without much civilization, and sure enough, that is exactly what describes them. And this is how Ageless Wisdom can explain things that are inexplicable in terms of all kinds of things, from paleontology to archaeology to evolution, to you name it. It just it clears up a lot of issues that are yet to be explained. And so we look at how America is developing, and initially you have stalwarts that are staying and living in this country that maintain a spiritual perspective. Now, why is this so important? I mean, they're living here virtually in isolation. And they're not doing anything in terms of development of civilization. So why is it important? Well, we're going to get to that because it affects the people who come over later. And that's the point. This is part of the plan. You need to get this, that this was not haphazardly done. It's part of the plan that this is going to be part of the development of what we call America. So initially, you have people living here for literally tens of thousands of years now. We're not talking about a small amount of time. And during that period of time, uh and I'm talking about uh thirty, forty thousand years ago, so that's a long time ago, when uh, uh the uh, earliest folks came that were the uh seventh uh, uh sub race uh, people from Europe came over and then the sixth from uh coming more over from the um uh, from the Asian side. Uh those people they came later though. The, those folks um really established the nature of a kind of spiritualness that had to do with respect for the land. Now, why is that so important? Because the people in Europe were very, very mundanely focused on land. Land was an issue of personal interest by people. If you had land, then you were important, etc., Land made kings, kings controlled the land, and therefore they controlled everybody else the country. Whereas in in America, uh, land was not controlled by people or tribes. It was controlled by the Great Spirit and by God, effectively, and that the Indians used it. Now, this is a common, common denominator of almost all of the spiritual tribes that lived here, um, f- from antiquity. So it isn't something that just, uh, oh, well, they, this one tribe thought this way. No, if you look at the, I mean, we're talking hundreds of different uh, tribes throughout the United States, um, even in later times, still believe that concept. Some believed you could stay in one place, but you still didn't own the land. And uh, others uh, believed you don't even stay in one place. The land is just sort of there, and you, you know, you're, you're, you you got to take care of it. You're supposed to. They, they were the first, really, ecologists, and they uh, were concerned about uh, over killing of animals. Is that weird? I mean, here, you know, they did that, and uh, they also didn't plant crops in, in uh, excessive amounts because it was too much use of the uh, land. Now. Did they understand this in a scientific way, the way we understand it? Today? No, because they they were spiritual. They didn't have the, the full understandings that we have, and they weren't even fifth-race people. They were fourth-race people. They did things how they felt more than how they thought. But still their feelings were that way, and that's really important. I find this fascinating, to me anyway, because... Uh, it it allows us to gain a better understanding of what America is about. So many people for so long it, since I've been teaching this stuff have told me that America is nothing special and it was never meant to be anything special. And why in the heck is everybody so, you know, so upset that America this or that? Who cares? You know, well, this is the point. This is part of the plan of the creator of this world and God, beyond that, uh, for what is supposed to be Earth. This world was supposed to have America becoming a spiritual place right from the beginning, right from the get-go. Now, if you ask me, well, okay, you're talking about thirty, forty thousand years ago, what happened before that? Well, what really happened before that, which is a little bit on the misunderstanding side, is that um, uh, America was deliberately isolated, deliberately isolated, so that it, could, so it wouldn't be disturbed by earlier sub-races of people to settle here to make it more mundane. It was saved as a precious element of life, existence. And it was deliberately isolated Now, how did they do that? Well, they isolated by getting rid of the uh, peninsula, you know, the the part that connects America to other places. Uh, Central America was was inundated with water. You may not know that, but that's true. And so you couldn't cross from South America. And Asia was uh, uh, isolated from uh, from what would be eventually Canada and the United States. So basically, it was just plain isolated. That's, that's the bottom line. It was extremely isolated. And the only thing that really existed here was animal and plant life. And that was meant to be the case. And part of the time, if you go very far back, like millions and millions and millions of years, um, uh, North America was inundated by water in its central portion. So it was sort of like two, almost two parts of a continent. And uh, there were, you know, uh, way back, there were dinosaurs here, and then before and after that, there was all kinds of unique forms of animal life. Once in a while, some animals in South America could make it through because occasionally there was a very thin um, land bridge would come up and then disappear again. So there was some, you know, there was some animal life to get through. But there was no people life. Even the Lemurians, uh, going way back in time, had only limited contact with uh the uh the people in this country. Now if you say, well, but isn't it true that maybe there's some evidence recently that they had they might have got to Catalina Island and maybe they settled one place in Southern California and another place in Mexico or another place in Chile and Yeah. That's possibly it's, 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 it is possible, too. But that kind of contact is not really uh, the advent of civilization. And besides which, that was during the very latest part of the Lemurian period. We're talking about a couple That was still when Atlantis was, was also uh, developing, and developing. So it, they didn't develop much of any civilization. They developed I mean, a small community of people, but it just didn't have any effect. So even even then it doesn't it doesn't change anything and those Lemurians that did that might have been the more spiritual ones. I can't I can't say. That part I don't know. But I I'm gonna just venture to say that it's more likely they were than that. In any case, regardless of that a part of the equation, it just didn't have any effect on anything. You know, it's it's almost it's almost like a footnote rather than any of any significance in the situation. So America was being saved. Well, for what purpose? Well, that's what tonight's show is about. <laughs> we'll get there, all right. So but that's why I'm having a show on it because I've never talked about this subject before, and I think that's a good one to talk about. And July Fourth is a nice day to think about it. All right, So <laughs> there was always a plan to conserve this country. To not have mundane humans living here in any masses that would screw it up and create a civilization that would that would interfere with america's later later importance, and what was that importance? well, it was to introduce a new kind of both government and eventually spiritual side um, to life that would Uh, have incorporated within it principles of Ageless Wisdom. And it was to replace, eventually, uh, the unfortunate prediction uh, that uh, the uh, Atlantean civilization would end in a debacle, which it did do, and to cut off or prevent evil from being first developed here, that it was surely going to come, but uh, at least give it a fighting chance by making it a neutral, if not positive place, and uh, to give it 100 or 200 years of time to resist the eventual evils. Now, when I say 100 to 200, I'm talking about before it was even a uh, country. I'm talking about when it was first being developed from 1607 on, uh as a as a, as a kind of a nation. If you go back to, to the Spanish, uh it could be back to the fifteen nineties, right? But um you know, in fifteen seventies and fifteen eighties, they were developing parts uh uh of Florida and you know, other places. But the point is that uh the real thing got going when England, Great Britain became part of the, the equation and that was in sixteen 16- in Virginia. So we, we, we look at this thing and we see ourselves, hey, you know, this was planned out tens of thousands of years earlier, even longer than that, maybe. These folks would know what they were doing, and they had a plan. And the plan is to get uh, a government and a spiritual place where the religion's are free enough to develop themselves more towards angels', angels wisdom um, and be disconnected from government, which is very important, and, and allow people freedom. And with that, because the principles of angels' wisdom is that people must be free, they they must uh, be helped to become conscious or loving uh, in a universal way, not in a uh, personal way although that's part of it, not, not the only uh, level to reach. And, uh, and then finally, interact together in ways that leads to more and more intelligent interactions for everybody. That was the principles applied, and including in, the, in that intelligent, uh, intelligent interaction were what we call today free markets, or free, the ability to freely interact the All of this being part of the plan uh, uh the United States particularly but also uh, it includes Canada were to uh, participate in this uh great uh experimental we'll site uh starting as early as the seventeenth century uh but growing so for a couple hundred years into uh the nineteenth century at least the beginning of that when the united states became uh, officially a uh, country of its own and at that particular time that's when we had the best opportunities to get to the right place the right place was the constitution as it was developed followed, followed pre- preceded by the, um, the uh, by the um, by the declaration of independence which led to the Constitution. So they're like almost one that docu- doc- document if you have to read them that way, you have to see them that way. And the um the furtherance of a system of laws and of we'll say rights of the people um to foster ageless wisdom. Ageless wisdom is as close as you can get in government to what the United States was supposed to be. And, in terms of much other kinds of principles, it's really here found here more than else. so this was really the the idea now, as soon as you get past uh, the into the nineteenth century, evil's coming in, and by the time you get to the civil war, it's already uh, you've got huge conflicts all caused by uh, the way that uh, Indians were, the native Indians, were treated, not respecting their spiritual principles, you didn't have to give them all the land. Interestingly, you had to give them the principles of ageless wisdom. They had to be treated correctly as people and incorporated within the system, and instead they were excluded by putting them on reservations and taking the land, which they didn't even consider theirs. They considered the a land part of God, but they later would trying to create treaties where they would have some land but, and consider it them, them, themselves, themselves, but that wasn't the original intent. And so in looking at this whole process, we have a, a, a interesting point to be concerned about. And that, and by the way, I want to mention about Native Indians now. The Natives, they may have fought among themselves for use of land, but they still didn't consider the land theirs. They considered it theirs to use. And so somebody came in and started using their land, and particularly if they were using it in ways that was degrading it, they were particularly hostile. And they certainly were hostile sometimes towards each other. So don't think that they were just some perfect uh, beings. These were people who had degenerated for a long period of time, and they were losing part of God, even though they had some spiritual principles behind them, because they had retained at least that part of themselves. That's the odd part about it. You have to have mixed results. The humans that, in general, were supposed to develop this country were supposed to be more spiritual in every respect, if possible. Did that happen? Well, somewhat. Somewhat. Okay. So we, But we also had slavery. And slavery uh, was improperly dealt with um, in the Constitution, and it led to eventually the Civil War and then the Civil Rights uh, Movement and all of the issues that uh, was, you know, that unfortunately was uh, part of the history. These things were flying in the face of principles and angels' wisdom. Uh, there is absolutely no way to uh, define slavery as being part of religious wisdom or spiritual development. It's anti-God, anti-spiritual, therefore God's spirit means God's thought, and uh, it's against angels' wisdom. But, nonetheless, it was cooked in, into the recipe that made the country, and uh, it was an in, in inevitability that the conflict would result in so many people dying and suffering and everything else because of the enslavement of so many people. Now, the interesting thing is that it also introduced uh, many people who were uh, black people or negroid race people coming into a system where uh, the effect of them was to eventually uh, lead to more tolerance of all races, and so that's a good thing. But it didn't have to have to come through into the United States the way it did through conflict. It would have been better to develop it through commerce and the normal way that people uh, get to uh, interact with each other. And it was not intelligent interaction. It was. Uh, Unintelligent interaction, a slave master that produced the effects with the eventual conflict working out to equality at least that's what I think uh with uh, the the uh, people ever going through uh, necessary, but that's what they did conflict and destruction of themselves and somewhat their own civilization so this is the this is part of again, what America is about. It, it isn't its isn't to um, disparage what America is. It's that it was always meant to become spiritual, and its development will move in that direction If even if there is um, a conflict. It will still tend to move towards the spiritual side. That's the good news. I want you to know that. So, Uh, there's some hope because we are the hope of the world because if we can't do it since this country was designed to do it, nobody else will. In other words, this is a place that was designed for tens of thousands, if not millions of years. Who knows? All the way was on the books and said, oh, let's do this. They had to figure it out. But at least no less than tens of thousands of years uh, it was designed to be this way. And if we cannot do it, it will not happen in this world. That is a disturbing issue, even though it's a good issue that we have overcome a lot of problems up to this point. Uh, it's disturbing because, again, the planet has this thing called spiritual initiation. And it's almost like the initiate, in this case, of countries is is America, in the United States in America, And unfortunately, I have the foibles of what initiation has, which is too much is dependent on too few to do uh, either too little or nothing at all or uh, to achieve uh, huge results that are are almost uh, life and death virtually in the sense of survival of the whole planet. And that's what Unfortunately, it follows that the countries are like the people, and it's like the whole way the system is designed. So it shows up that way uh, when you look at how the United States, particularly, uh, right now is in a precipice of, we'll say, over the edge looking at the, the oblivion. And also, so is the world, from the same concept that it's sort of like, We're the initiate of nations, the highest initiate of nations. And if we fail, we will create such havoc in our failure that there will not be a replacement for us, at least in this world. This this world could completely fail. At least that's that's of a a serious concern, to say the least. On my part, but probably on others as well. Okay, so let's look at this now. So for a couple hundred years, we kind of had the chance to put it together, and we got almost there. Two bad things we did was the way we dealt with Indians, because we were supposed to see that they were spiritual, and some people did. And the spiritual culture of the Indians somewhat uh, infiltrated into our consciousness. But during the uh, 19th century, the beginnings to the middle of the 19th century, the Indians were... uh, Totally mistreated, wrongly, and uh, their spiritual nature was was literally ignored, and also attempts were made to destroy it. And so, this instead of it being inculcated into the rest of the spiritual side of the United States, it went the opposite way. Give you an example. Instead of developing treaties that we constantly broke and putting people isolated into reservations that will destroy them as, as generationally as as, uh, as people, uh, we we should have done everything we could to bring these people to the highest standard of living and paid for it by because we were using their lands. And uh, although we were taking those lands by conquest, we could have chosen to uh, repay these people and respect the good things about them, such as their great spiritual side, and not necessarily become their particular way of religion, but uh, nonetheless respecting the fact that these were very spiritual people and they had, they had things to learn that we could learn from. And that would have been a much better way. Right. A few people in the United States did do that, but the majority didn't. And so the concept is, you know, we paid a great karmic uh, penalty for that. Remember some of those Indians later, uh, uh, the souls of them incarnated into uh, other races. and So we can't look at this, and that's the thing that's so wrong with this whole idea. Well, we took their lands so we could pay them back today. Well, the people who took their lands probably became Indians. Later up, so I mean, this is how the karmic issues go back and forth. Because they no longer had a spiritual life; they had a reservation life, which sucked the very meaning of spiritualness out of spirituality, out of it, and it left them hollow, which is unfortunate. Okay, and then finally, with with, with slavery, it's kind of even uh, even as bigger, greater a toll because. Uh, there we literally brought people here to um, enslave them, and we mistreated them in awful ways. Slavery might not have been as bad for the whole country if the people were treated humanely, but they were treated as objects and material possessions and uh, generally mistreated. Now, there were some slaves that probably weren't as badly treated as others, but if you look at the whole thing, it's just a horrible system. And so it was really a debacle of tremendous magnification. And then, when these slaves are from quote unquote freed," they really weren't because uh as a society, they were still semi uh enslaved. they were still prevented from being able to have the same privileges and rights as others uh. Even on a in a legal way, much less in a interactional mode, societally, and so that had to be corrected. Then for another 120 years or so, I mean, like it's like craziness what's happened, but it was. And so now we should be no longer trying to correct those things because remember some of those same. Uh, slave owners became slaves themselves later on, and so we can't say that we're repaying people. We 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 try to correct the system. You have to correct the system. That's correct, but you don't. You can't repay people. There's no way to do that. It, it just doesn't. It's not. It's not a sane approach because of reincarnation and issues that are deeper than the surface of things. But you don't continue the system. You change and radically change and we have. But And now there shouldn't be discrimination against others to repay people uh, who were enslaved, because that doesn't help either. That uh, makes the whole thing still upside down. But we're at the point where that's happening. It, it, it kind of by people screaming and yelling, but the, the, the U.S. Supreme Court's probably kind of getting that idea. It's like saying, oh, enough's enough. Everybody... Everybody has to be treated the same. We're not going to have any more of this proactive nature of helping people of color because it really doesn't make any sense anymore we're just We're just gonna make it so that it's based upon fairness, and other people are not discriminating like they used to. Very few people really are heavily discriminatory. Some people might be a few a little bit, but that's that's true so much of everybody towards everybody. Just to take it on a race-wide basis it's not unnecessary the fact. Well, anyway, we'll take a break at this point. And um, when we come back, I'm going to be bringing us up a lot closer to some of the principles of religious Wisdom as they started coming into this country, even before 1607, if you can imagine that. Anyway, we'll be back in about two and a half minutes from right now.
1: Hi, everyone. Since childhood, I've had questions about my life and life in general that I couldn't find adequate answers to. Questions like, why am I here? Why are others here? Does the universe have a purpose? And how does that relate to my life? More recently, I've been wondering what happens when we die, especially the reasons why. I'm more of a doubter than a believer in many things, and answers that include the whys allow me to think and figure out the truth for myself. I've been reading a book, Life's Hidden Meaning. This one book contains more answers, including the wise, than all other sources I've read or heard. It's amazing to me that every one of my questions has been thoroughly answered. More importantly, I have found that all of these answers so far have checked out to be true. I hope this message helps some of you in your quest for better understanding. The name of this wonderful book is, again, Life's Hidden Meaning by metaphysician Niles McFlower. Some bookstores sell it. I got my copy directly from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com. Life's Hidden Meaning may enlighten your mind and bring some peace and joy to your heart. Hun, what book are you reading? It's a novel, kind of, about romance, love, and spiritual life in general. Kind of a novel? What do you mean? Well, it's based on some real-life experiences and even real characters. Some of their experiences are fascinating and remarkable. I can't put this book down. How come the title is Afterlife Love? That's part of the fascination. This book describes the afterlife in intricate detail and even explains why things are the way they're explained. But how can anyone write about or know that? Some of the characters travel out of body to some places that people who've already died also go to. I'm finding it completely believable because it all makes sense and fits into a bigger picture for me. Hon, what happens to these people? You can read it for yourself when I'm done if you want. Better yet, I'll get my own copy so we can discuss it while we read. Let me see. I'll write down the title. It's Afterlife Love by Niles McFlower. M-A-C-F-L-O-U-E-R.
2: Afterlife Love is available in some bookstores and from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com or 480 That's four eight zero nine six six thirty
0: one thirty two. Well, we're back. This is Why Life Is... I'm Niles McFlower. Tonight, we're talking about ageless wisdom and the spiritual development in America, of America, in the world. And so, uh, I think that, so far, people are probably understanding what this show is about. Uh, let me tell you some other things. Now, I'm going to go back in time a little bit. When we When we consider ageless wisdom, we need to realize that most of it's planned out thousands and thousands of years ahead of time. And that's difficult because humans don't think that way. We plan, you know, well oh, I mean what are we gonna do next week, you know? And if we plan five years ahead in our life, that's considered a long time. Thinking thousands of years ahead, it seems like it's impossible. But of course the people the beings who are doing that are not human. So for the most part. Okay. So if we go back to early times, let's go back to Zoroasterism, which is a a kind of, um, uh, we'll say, profoundly uh, ageless wisdom-inspired religion. And um, sometimes referred to as the religion of fire. And its approach was really that uh, ageless wisdom as a uh, understanding of God should be the center part of religious viewpoint. And uh it eventually became conflicted with um uh Islam because uh it was it was founded strongly in Persia, uh Zoroaster was a uh teacher in Persia, sometime around six hundred B C and uh he, his uh, viewpoints were upheld in Persia uh, even during some of the um, incursions of the, uh, we'll say, radical Islamists of earlier times all the way through the Middle Ages. Now, this doesn't mean that Zoroasterism necessarily disappeared. It's just that people who were practicing it uh, also had to become Islamists or they would be killed, which was usually not a very good thing because Islam, particularly in a more radical approach, uh, depending upon what sector, section and group you're involved with, um, tends to say that uh, if you're you're not an Islamist and you practice any other kind of religion, then uh, you're open to being uh, punished, imprisoned, may be killed. So uh, uh, if you wanted to not be imprisoned or killed, it would be good to call yourself an Islamist even if you were practicing Zoroasterism and to not be too uh, open about it, if that were the case. Now, Zoroastrianism had a very strong effect uh, throughout the Islamic world, even so, and strangely, uh, it also affected the um the Europeans and but only a specific group in Europe and uh that group were the Knights Templar. Now you might say, Knights Templar? That's like that group of people that were kind of weren't they all part of the 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 Vatican guard or something and they were were they, were they part of the Pope's thing and how does that get into Zoroasterism? It's not any different. This is the weird thing about it: the Knights Templar adopted um, Christianity and became uh, cozy with the Pope because uh, that was the only way you could function in the European environment without being imprisoned or killed or some way, uh, you know, have some problems. And they were powerful, powerful people with great minds, and usually. Uh, thought in terms of ageless wisdom, and uh, in some cases were influenced by Zoroasterism and sometimes uh, other forms of ageless wisdom, Uh, but nonetheless, they strongly were principled in ageless wisdom. Now, they uh, were formed about 800 years before, before the first colonies of Great Britain were developed and 700 years before the Spanish colonies where well, they weren't even colonies just, you know, just kind of they set up small little areas where people kind of conquered from because they were more, much more interested in conquering and looking for gold and the Fountain of Youth or whatever else they could find and they weren't, they weren't exactly Exactly trying to really settle the United States at any rate the the interesting thing about this is that um, there was a plan in action so early and so forward of the actual development of the country later on and yet even with all those preparations uh It's unfortunate to have to lament about what did take place, because evil is always trying to prevent this from going any further. Uh, The greatest affront to evil has been the development of America, because it was so sure that in destroying, or nearly destroying, Atlantis, and then fragmenting the rest of human history from that point forward into mystified elements of Asia's wisdom only, with no real demystification until very recently. And then uh, doing the most obscene kinds of ways of corruption and uh, destruction of of North America as as best as could be done. And then really, uh, Mexico has been a mess from the more, we'll say, uh, sinister elements of the Spanish culture that was introduced there. Uh, Again, impugning some of the native peoples, not to say that the Aztecs or the Mayans were in any way uh, of uh, much better character. In some respects, they were worse. But still... Uh, those peoples are different because you have to understand, I'm not including them into the the native uh, spiritual cultures in North America. There's a difference. Those cultures, which are more South American of type and Central American, they have w- within them, because that's where the Spanish really went to first. They slowly moved into North America. But that, the point is that they're, they're, those cultures were... Uh, mixed with some or, earlier Lemurian, they were uh, they they had developed more civilization, but their spiritual development was not uh, as highly developed as it could have been, and so they did awful things. They had mass murders, they did a lot of uh, human sacrifice, you know, just goofy stuff, and so even some of them were cannibalistic. I mean, you had to look at this from a standpoint that this was, a, this was not the best of humanity by any stretch of the imagination. And again, that doesn't represent what was North American in its development. It was a South American, Central American kind of thing. And that's why Mexico is kind of a mixed bag because of that. All right, so when you look at it from from, from the standpoint of what I'm trying to explain uh there was a good start on things. Eight hundred AD there was already trying to bring ageless wisdom in some small measure here. And uh part of what was left here uh was early teachings of the Knights Templar which um they expected they would have to come back to in right sometime between twelve and fourteen hundred. This is their own Their own writings between 12 and 1400 AD uh, because they were going to be banished eventually from Europe due to evil. And that's exactly what happened. In 1307, uh, um, in October, Friday the 13th, they were banished. And they had to uh, leave literally overnight. And um, some came to. Scotland. 'cause they don't have enough of that. Maybe if they listen to tonight's show they'll say, wait a second, what is that guy talking about? Yeah, but they have have to understand a lot about angels wisdom. All right. So let's uh let's kinda of keep moving on here. Uh all right, so um the eventual the eventual development of America as it is today came about because there was conflict with evil, obviously, and in most circumstances, the side of light so far, up to the last uh, few years, has prevailed. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, you got to be kind of objective with this and not to be too emotional about it. Uh, the Indians have not been fully uh, helped the way they should be. Black people are pretty much in parity now, so we're okay with that concept. But there's still some work to do with the appreciation of Indians, and I don't think giving them casinos is the is the helpful gesture I'm just thinking about. Uh, not because they shouldn't have uh, wealth and uh, money, but because the methods of prosperity that those come from Doesn't really advance uh, God; it advances uh, greed. So it's not it's not a a benefit, and it's it's unfortunate that that has been the present way to do it. And again, that's a darkness uh, evil has interjected. I know it's the last thirty or forty years, and it's it's terrible that it's happening that way. We need to correct that, and I'm not sure the whole correction principle, but. There's several possibilities, and then uh in terms of the other evils that we have had, the corruption issue in government, which uh was brought about because uh the federal government was not locked down tight enough, and the principles of government in general were not adhered to in uh the Declaration of Independence and also in the Constitution of the United States, and most state constitutions as well. So what has taken place now is that corruption has become an element that is being used by evil to um, destroy uh, the spiritual value in this country. But... There needed to be one other element done, which is that corruption was done, despite and around, in some cases certain parts of laws and and, and somewhat, but slight, only slightly, the Constitution of the United States. Now, uh, because of we, we have an evil president, He's, uh, he, he he works with evil, and because of that. The process now is to destroy the Constitution by uh, eliminating its use in proper perspective, in proper use, and uh, by ignoring his own oath and other things. And the most important part of this is to use the corruption to become part of the political outcome, not the corruption for just uh to get elected or to just to have some additional funds to be keep getting elected, but to actually have a political outcome. In this case the political outcome is a progressive one to destroy the um the United States as it has been, which is the leading country and most importantly, the leading spiritual country. So the present way evil is functioning, uh with with the president being the head of it, uh, goes to destroy the United States, but destroy it in, in a specific way. Uh, the United States could remain as a country, but if it does, it'll become only material and non-spiritual. So he does. He wants to get rid of all spiritual elements in all religions, not just any specific one. Uh, he himself uh, pretends to be a Christian, which he's not. He uh, leans much stronger towards the Islamic religion, which he has some propensity towards, at least, But he doesn't really follow anything that has to do with spiritual issues. He just likes some of the elements of uh, Islamic uh, uh, practice, we'll say. And he's in favor of of Islamic extremism, but because it weakens the good in people and and it destroys it for the most part. So basically, we have... All the things taking place, every decision made, is based upon how much it weakens and destroys the United States uh, as a spiritual uh, beacon of light in the world. It doesn't mean the United States won't last any longer, but it just means that it'll grow darker and darker and will have only a mundane existence and uh, will no longer be what it is here to do, which is to keep the world on spiritual course towards uh, becoming a world that follows doctrines which we'll call angels' Wisdom. It doesn't mean everybody is going to say, oh, I belong to the religion of angels' Wisdom. No, most people won't do that. But the principles of angels' Wisdom, which are the principles that the United States are founded on, uh, will be gone. And I really want to go back in time again and talk about something else. And then is that after the, uh, you, you know, so I'm kind of weaving this thing. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me doing it this way, but we, it's, I, I find it interesting to talk about it this way. And if you don't like it, that's okay. You can let me know. Say I didn't like that show. You kept going back and forth. But that after um, the United States was set up to become the more spiritual nation to guide the rest of the world, we, we then had um, people that came out of the Knights Templar movement that were actually um, people that had a beginnings that had common beginnings with the Knights Templar. And sometimes they were side by side for a while. That's interesting to note. And uh, those uh, folks uh, were later... <laughs> By most people's standards, considered to be the uh, Freemasons. Now, uh, the Freemasons were really this kind of uh, just a. Uh, it's almost like a side by side Knights Templar, except they 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 didn't take up the sword for the Christian Church. They took up the. Um, uh, they were more seventh ray than than sixth ray and. And then uh the other parts of these just split to more first rate but they they, they were people who w- believed in free markets they wanted a free market system where everybody could work for whoever they wanted to work with and who would be uh able to work with and for themselves and with other people as they chose to and sell to who they wanted to and to build and create things because they were they were builders. And they were developers. They were the sometimes the first developers and they developed the first towns and cities in Europe. But the most important part of what they did was they underneath it all practiced ageless wisdom and they kept the mysticism, semi mysticism alive of ageless wisdom and they had thirty three degrees of, you know, development of uh, you know, various consciousness and etc., which had was mixed with mysticism. So if you understood certain mystical doctrines and you could explain that in terms, or you could practice it, more importantly, in terms in your life, that exemplified those spiritual principles of ageless Wisdom, then you were that level of Freemason. And so the the, the Freemasons uh, became, uh, they, they they came, uh uh, they started to develop themselves around 1520 uh, or so, right after the uh, the the, the um, Knights Templar that came to the United States. I uh, did whatever they were doing, which I didn't tell you about, up until 1450, maybe a little later. A couple of other generations became and, and went back to and, and into. Uh, Freemasons back in Scotland, again, in other places, uh, and in France, a few places. And those people, now thinking in terms of time, probably 1510, give or take, something like that, Uh, they, uh, they decided that this was now, they were supposed to take what was being done back in America, and apply it in some ways to some parts of life in Europe, which they would then come back to America, um, literally uh, starting about 100 years later, and uh, develop more of it for the next couple of hundred years after that. And those people became the, uh, almost all of them uh, were uh, members, uh, Freem- Freemason members, who. Uh, wrote the Declaration of Independence and uh, were the uh, part of the uh, convention to develop and did develop the U.S. Uh, articles of um, Confederacy and eventually the, Const- the U.S. Constitution. So that's what they did. That's that's what their their main purpose was. And the reason they kept all this. <coughs> excuse me. I think it's time to give me a spray. That spraying you here is my throat getting stronger <laughs> from, the, from the stuff I just in? So what they were trying to do was they were trying to counter uh, other groups that were more dark and evil. And they were trying to uh, eventually um, change what they believed to be in Europe uh, was a maligned darkness of angel's Wisdom back to an uh, ageless wisdom that was lightened. And then when they came to the United States, they were trying to keep religion free and keep so that their ageless wisdom could become part of it and also part of the eventual development of uh, a new country separate from uh, uh, being a colony of, uh, of Great Britain. So the interesting part of this was that all of this was planned out ahead of time again. It's hundreds of years ahead of time. And uh, you know there were societies that were going in the opposite direction, very very dark, uh, that secret kind of groups. And this group uh, of Freemasons, they were trying to do the opposite. The societies of very dark eventually became, during the nineteenth century, um, socialists and progressives and Marxists and uh, communists and that sort of thing. But the people who were Freemasons wanted to have free markets and a free government, and people able to think for themselves, be educated for themselves, and a government that was formed by the people rather than of elites. And the others wanted an elite government, which we call progressives, and they wanted control uh of the economic system which we call communism and socialism and they also wanted to uh enter into materialism they wanted to get rid of religion period and make it uh, gone they don't want didn't want god if you know, know anything about communism uh it it believed that uh, religion was the opiate of the people; it put them to sleep and allowed them to be affected by the evil capitalists and and colonialists, etc. When in reality, of course, they uh, wished to be god themselves. They they, and they they spawned and helped to spawn more of the progressives who didn't necessarily buy into all of the communist doctrine because some of the communist doctrine. Uh, more accurately, explain capitalism. They, didn't even, they hated capitalism, so they wanted to control it. But getting back to our situation, so all of that evil that was coming needed to be countered by a society, and it was the Freemasons. But the Freemasons came out of, and were, were like almost paired with the uh, with the Knights Templar for a couple hundred years at least, or more. Uh, a lot of this had to be done in secret. Because, uh, you know, after 1307, (laughs) Knights Templar were supposed to be goodbye, going, going and no more. So, you know, you can understand that if you were one of them, you were dead if people do that, because uh, there were proclamations made, like they were to be tortured and killed and that sort of thing. Very few were ever, that was it ever done with. They were so well prepared, so well prepared. They had 300 ships uh, in a harbor, predominantly in France, and um, and they were there on Monday, and on Friday they were gone. <laughs> yep, that's what happened. Gone. All of them. Disappeared. <laughs> now, what are you going to do with three interesting thing about this is that uh, going back forward again, again not to confuse all of you, but I, I love introducing this little stuff in there. It kind of makes me tickle. Um, when we come back to the evil of today, what what is happening today is reruns. It's over and over again. Evil keeps repeating itself. It does learn new ways. It's much more mental today than it ever was. It used to be astral but would fall into evil because they'd be scared to death of it. You don't go in and start just saying, well, you're free of the bad guy, so now you can do anything you want because you have children who are frightened and don't understand, children in adult bodies, don't understand anything. Their consciousness is too low, and you've got to develop that over a whole generation. You can't build countries in six months or a year you can only begin the process over 10 years, maybe. And that will work, but not the way that was done. So, of course, Obama convinces people, well, that was wrong, I screwed up. you know." So here's the better way of doing everything. We'll just leave. And we'll let a dictator take back over the country that we got the dictator out. And he'll make a deal with Iran and become a puppet of Iran. And then he'll arrest the vice president or the vice uh, premier of the country the next day after we leave, and he'll just uh, make hell on earth for a third of all the people that live there. And uh, that's fine. We'll do that. And we won't leave a residual force of people to defend them against the radicalized people or the people in Iran. That's that smart? No. But it is if you're evil. If you want to destroy the world, because evil really wants to destroy the world as we understand it. It doesn't want to destroy the planet itself. It wants to destroy the world as we understand it. And it wants to create a new kind of world where evil is the order of the world. So we'll say it wants a new world order. That order is totally progressive. And beyond progressive is completely evil. Now, you can say, well, what's the difference between progressive and evil Well, progressive people don't want to uh, completely destroy uh, other people. They want, and oftentimes don't believe in, they want to get rid of God as part of governance. They think God and governance... So do not have anything to do with each other. And they hate the U.S. Constitution because it does the opposite. And they hate the, the America and the United States because it stands for the opposite. But Ageless Wisdom says that God comes first. Human rights come from God. They don't come from government. And progressives say that government gives everything. And there is no God. It shouldn't, if there is a God, it doesn't matter, because it shouldn't be part of what the government is. That's the basic principle. Okay, so in our story now, as we're looking at this uh, development, spiritual development of America and the world, now gets to this crazy situation in which you've got an evil dude with a bunch of evil people that help him. He's got got them all over the place, from the courts into every element of government. Uh the thing, I mean they got Holman, or whatever it is, um the guy the the attorney general. Um not Alderman, it, that was under Um all the people who he's brought into office, uh, with him have the same viewpoint. They are neocolo colonial Marxists, which is kind of a long word. Then it progresses. But they also, unfortunately, follow his plan somewhat. I don't think they all know what he's really doing, which is to uh, make the world evil. Now, why would Obama want the world to be evil? Well, because he's evil himself. But besides the fact that he's evil himself, he wants the world to be evil because he, this is a world he really doesn't care about. Uh, you could say, well, he's here. You know, he's here temporarily, really from someplace else, and, and so so ultimately, this place is not He's not fond of it, and uh, you know he uh, he doesn't even necessarily consciously know this. I don't know how much he knows consciously, but but certainly he's acting upon it. What he's doing is destroying it, and he's destroying it in the in the very opposite of the way of what Angel's wisdom was meant to do spiritual development of America. That's it. This is the opposite. And we're seeing it unfold. Uh, He's got a couple of years, two and a half years left, and it's just enough time to complete his plan, provided he ignores almost completely the Constitution of the United States, and continues increasingly to act as a pontiff or dictator, and uh, uh, literally just does whatever he chooses to do, which is what he says he's going to do, so I believe him. (laughs) I mean, there's no reason to doubt someone when they already have done it for years, and he says, I'm going to do a lot, lot more of it, and if you don't like it too bad, so sad, try and stop me. That's what he has said. And I'm virtually quoting him now. I'm not just making that up, right? If you've been listening, you know that that's what he said, right? so yeah he his plan is pretty pretty open, yet nobody seems to see it. you know you like look around and how many people notice, oh, well, he just says that because he's upset. Well, what is he doing? Oh, well, he's doing those things, but yeah, but he has other reasons, he must have other reasons for doing this, you know, or it's somebody else's fault, right. I mean, the amazing thing is, on one hand, the guy's acting uh, as an amazing dictator, and on the other side, he keeps saying, "Well, it's not my fault; I didn't do it. it it's it's Maliki's fault. It's uh, Congress's fault. It's Bush's fault. And before Bush, I think there was a president. wasn't What was that guy? Reagan. Yeah, that's it's his fault. And before him, well, there was other people. You know what? <sighs> I think it was, I think it was Taft. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yep. It goes back to whoever you want it to go back to. All right. So, realizing this and understanding that the beginnings of the socialists, you know, came from Colonel Frank, and uh, that's in the 1870s in in, uh, London, in England. And the socialists wanted to reframe the world by force, but first they were going to be wolves in sheep clothing. And they would look like they're doing something entirely different and use the most deceptive practices to prove to the world that they're doing something else when they're really trying to take control over everybody's lives. That is the original concept of socialism, and government running and controlling people. That was the purpose. Um, and you know, that's that's still there. I mean it's still part of what socialists do. And Obama has used that part himself. And but it isn't he doesn't want a socialist government. He he wants something different than a socialist government. What he's looking for is a progressive government which in which you get the God out. The God part, it, which is more, more obscene, more uh, dangerous, and more destructive than just trying to convert everybody over to socialism. So, and it really has more to do with with communism than socialism. But regardless, it's hard to point and say it's this or that because those other things are methods of economy. Whereas he's trying to change the world, not just the economy of the United States or any or the rest of the world. He's trying to change the whole world in a lot of different ways. Okay. So, we've got this whole thing. And the spiritual side is to reverse this. Now, how in heck are we going to reverse this? Well, remember, remember that there are things behind the scenes that are standing in the way. And those things uh, have to do with what was done in the past, some of which I can't tell you about or choose not to, and that it's going to still happen, in my opinion. Now, are there? Is there going to be like a revolution in the United States? No. No revolution, in my opinion. Not as we understand revolution. Uh, I'll teach a class. Uh, on Wednesdays and when the students in class, said, well, I think that the United States is going to. If Obama goes any further, they're going to. All the people are going to get out their their hunting rifles and their you know their semi-automatics, and we're all going to you know make a lot of ammo with our ammo making machines, and we're going to be ready. Yeah. Well, that that's going to do absolutely nothing. If 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 it were to happen, uh, those people would last five minutes. Because the power of Obama is the power of the United States military, which is all-powerful. It, it, it since he's evil, now that evil would be used on the people. And they've already got internment camps already designed and built to put all those people in, the ones that don't get killed. So, I mean, you can't really, you know, drones are going to come in and tanks are going to come in and, People with weapons that you can't even you know they can kill you from a mile away it's a, you know there's no, there's no way you can you can deal with that there's no there's no there's no alternative you can't have an insurgency in the United States because unlike other places here uh, we have freedom but we have openness and you know, it's almost impossible any longer to not know who you are and where you live just look on the internet. So the, 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 you just, it isn't like a primitive country where you could have an insurgency. It isn't like the American Revolution. That's no longer possible. You just look everybody up and go collect them. And uh, it wouldn't be hard to do, unfortunately. So that isn't going to happen. But what, what could happen is the following. And let me let me try to make some sense out of this. Uh, things are going to get much worse. I, I have to tell you, they're going to get much worse. The ninety thousand or whatever children that are on our borders and be shipped around and causing disruption and cetera, it's only the beginning. There's going to be much worse assaults on our freedoms and on our ability to function. And the worst thing is that it's it's going to contaminate the whole world against us because Obama is trying to make everybody our enemy and our enemies much stronger than us, much stronger than us, so that we will eventually be over overturned. And we'll be facing that within about a year. So what are we going to do about that? Because you still got, you know, well, and his, his plan is not to leave office, at least not in terms of power. I mean, if if, if his wife doesn't become president, he will control things still. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's hard to understand, and it really could happen here, because you say, oh, it can't happen here because we've got the Constitution. Well, once the guy tells you I'm not going to follow the Constitution, and that's it, why are you thinking that's going to save you? All right, so here's here's what might happen. Now, I'm not going to go into too many details about some of this because I don't want the dark side to be getting a you know, heads up. Hey, that guy said it on the radio show. We are you know better watch out because he's coming, and he going okay, the first thing that is likely to occur is that the election this fall is going to possibly give a majority or probably give a majority of people against uh what's happening in the Senate now. Obama's still going to veto any bill that comes out or he doesn't like, which is going to be most of them. And to get a majority uh, vote, uh, you know, not a a supermajority vote, it's probably to overturn his veto, which means you'd have to have 67 people in the Senate. Not likely. If you could do that, you would impeach the guy, and that would happen. But he's not going to get impeached either, in my opinion, because there won't be a majority vote in the Senate. I don't think that a super majority won't get the 67 votes. So the the, the and it, some people call it super majority 60, but I'm talking about the super super majority, which is 67. And so we won't have that capability. So I don't think that that's going to happen. And you can still, uh, but the lawsuit will go past uh, the time that he's supposed to, that to leave office. Okay, but he's not going to leave office. He's going. To, he's, he's making it so there will be a disaster series of series of them in the United States of such consequences that he'll take over some martial law and claim and he'll temporarily postpone elections. And you might say, "Oh no, that can't happen." Just wait. But the the bigger system, the way to really beat this is for most people to become aware of who and what he is. And to block him in other ways by not complying with the laws that he imposes. Uh, Obamacare. Nobody signed up. The people who have don't pay. And if you've paid, stop paying. That's the sort of thing that will help. And you say, well, why does that help? Because you can't run a government without money. <laughs> And you can't run a government when the people refuse to obey the rule of law, which is evil. And so when people stop obeying it, that's how you can win. You say, well, you'll send out the IRS, and the IRS will fine you. Okay, fine, big deal. You see, that's the only way that you can really get to a dictator like Obama to an evil guy. Because he runs on the idea that you're going to play by the rules and he won't. He can lie his butt off, but you generally won't. So, I'm suggesting let's reverse that. Let's uh, not play by the rules. Forget his rules. We we play by different rules. Uh, we refused to participate in the systems that are necessary for him to maintain control and power. Now, you might say, well, didn't the colonists try that with the Tea Party thing and all that? stuff I mean, the, the original Boston Tea Party. And, yeah, they they did. But, you know, back in, in those times, you didn't have the evil internal. It was external, and it was coming from Another place, which was England, to governors in this country, um, and it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the same thing. This is this country now. We're we're dealing with a, with an with an evil inside of us. It's inside. It's not outside. And that's a real different kind of scenario. So we need a different kind of cure for the ailment of evil. And you can say, well, how is that going to really work? Well, uh, if enough people start doing it, uh, the the fourth estate, the press, will start taking notice and will report on that. They won't report on Obama because they're part of the evil. And that has to do with the fact that some time ago they drank Obama Kool-Aid and they haven't come out of it ever. Yeah, I'm not talking about you know like the Fox people. Most of those people are they 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 aren't bad. They're okay, but the majority of people aren't listening to Fox. In some places, I don't even know if you can get that news. Yeah, and you know it, it's interesting, but the majority of people don't even listen to the news. So I don't know that it makes that much difference whether Fox says something or not. But what we need is a, uh, a clamoring coming from the fourth estate, coming from the news folks, telling everybody about what is going on on a continuous basis, truthfully, and even going back historically explaining what they didn't pick up on before, admitting to their foibles and problems about being in love with this evil dude. Okay, you can make that mistake. Lots of other people are doing it, but admit to it and report honestly and truthfully about what you can. So that's what you want to try to institute. And then the other part about it is uh, make sure you don't send your kids to schools that are progressively controlled and that uh, are promoting Obamaitis. you know. And uh, if you have to pull your kids out of school, and either homeschool them, and if that's not allowed where you're at, then move. And that's another thing that could be done, is uh, don't stay in a place where you're one out of a hundred who believes what I'm saying. Uh, That isn't necessarily going to help. I know a lot of people say, well, if I leave, there won't be any. Well, if you stay, there won't be any either, because you'll just be trampled. Go to places where what you can do and live will make a difference. It's better to have a lot of people in one place that believe something than to have them scattered in such a few places where they can't really organize and do anything. So it might be worth the move to come to a state that is more in line with your thinking um, I, because it's not going to change the, the political outcome because already those other state, the states are majority operated to uh, Obama thought and uh, through uh, progressivism. I'm not saying Democrat at this point. Don't think that this is all about Democrats and Republicans. Remember I told you that Bush was a progressive Republican. He wasn't an extreme progressive, but he was certainly a progressive. So be weird that you know that they, that they still think in, the, in elitist terms, like government knows better. We can We can make it better through government. We'll control it. Okay. Now, how far can you go with this? Well, There's another step. Now, I'm saying this strictly in terms of abstracts, and I'm not telling anybody to do this. But in an abstract sense, if everybody stops paying their taxes, that would be extremely effective. Why? Because we have a voluntary taxation system. And if everybody outs the voluntariness, or most people do, Who believe what I'm saying, which would be about 50 to 60 percent of the people, over half, the government stops. Blank. That's it. Now, the reason I couldn't say to do that is it's against the law. So I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't tell you to stop paying your taxes. But if everybody did do that, uh, the government would stop in 90 days. The government, the federal government. And the good news about that is, remember we talked about, I just mentioned about people running out and saying, well, I'm going to go fight the government, and then the Army, would come, and then the Air Force, and the fuses and the drones. Well, you know, to operate all that, you got to have money. And the funny thing about it is when you stop paying people for 90 days, they stop working for you, even if they're in the military. <laughs> They'll just say, screw you. Even if they believe in what you're saying, they might leave. They're certainly not going to be gung-ho. So it weakens the ability for the government to do much. And uh, there, there's more, but i have just mention that in terms of uh, taxes, uh, it's okay to consider taxes that would benefit local government, if it seems okay with what you're doing. So don't don't worry about that. I'm talking about taxes that go to the federal government, and those taxes are the taxes that I'm referring to, and of course, the biggest chunk of that would be the income tax. And uh, believe me, if income tax was not paid by over 50% of the people in this country, that would be a big change, almost overnight. Almost. So when you think about it, don't think about getting your guns out, because that ain't going to do nothing. Get out your checkbook. Get out your bank accounts. And get everything out of them. Because as long as the government can't get the money, they can't use the money, if you're following what I'm saying. So ultimately, there are ways to defeat the system quickly and effectively those ways may not be legal ways because laws are made to prevent this from happening. But if the government itself is illegal and the president of that government says, I'm going to break the law, and I don't care if someone wants to sue me, if someone wants to fight me, if someone wants to do anything, come on, come and get it. You'll see what I'm going to do. Well, then there's something that can't be done. All right, and I'm trying to explain those things tonight in ways that uh, are strictly intellectually speaking, and I'm not telling people or encouraging people to do anything, just talking about it as a a way of thinking. All right, what else can be done? Well, if you look at it from the standpoint that this is part of a plan, and it is, by the way, if you really want to upset the evil (laughs) cart... of things. It's more than what Obama's doing. It's what's being done in other countries. It's, uh, so how do we solve that particular problem? Well, here's an interesting thing. <laughs> if you're not giving your money to the United States government, who isn't doing anything to protect the rights of people in other countries that you think should be protected, you could send the money to the other countries. So, You could send, uh, let's say you say, well, Israel's about to be destroyed by Iran and this and that. Well, we'll send them a few billion dollars and see if that won't help them. And maybe there's some freedom fighters in this particular country or that particular country that we know would be helpful. Uh, Maybe there's some way of sending them some money or other material things. So you see, there are ways to circumvent the system by acting collectively as a group people uh, as their own government, because the people are the government. What is the principle I'm trying to explain that is part of the secret? The secret I can't tell you about. It's that when the government is no longer representing the people, the people have the right to represent themselves in whatever way they choose because they are the government. They only give the government the right to act on their behalf when that behalf is in the light of themselves, in God. And it isn't They have the right to ignore, to defeat, to obscure, to obstruct, and to destroy if necessary. Any government that is evil. Now, again, there's much more to this plan than I'm not going to talk about that has to do with angels' wisdom, but... I think I'm trying to give you some ideas, some thoughts about what can be done. You have to think outside the box, though, and you certainly don't want to get emotional and grab a gun and go into the streets. Absolutely don't even think about it, much less do it. Ain't going to do any good. Now, there are reasons to have means of protecting yourself, because as this system progresses with evil, there will be people who, unfortunately, will be doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and you're going to have to protect yourself against them because the government's not going to help you. It's evil. So you may have to protect yourself just from evil folks running around, you know, trying to take things and steal things and destroy you, and etc. That's a different thing. I'm not talking about that part of self-defense. I'm saying that armed conflict with a government like the United States is nuts. Just nuts. And you don't want to think about that as an answer. Okay, so let's let's move into some other aspects of Ageless Wisdom as it has been, in my opinion, developed for this crisis which we are in now. We're not just approaching it. We are in the crisis. It's getting worse, I know, but it's going to get more so. So what else can we do? Well, it, besides taking your kids out of school, if you're ne- if necessary, making sure that they're taught angels' wisdom, which is very important, and God, and talk about spiritual things, and you know, teach them whatever you can about that, it is good if you can collectively get together with other people of like mind and thought and principle. And this is a whole other way of looking at it. That. The principles of ageless wisdom have been hidden so much deliberately uh, that we need to unhide them in an aggressive way. Now you could say, well, why aren't you doing more? Well, I'm on the radio, I do things. But evil is really, really, really focused in on what the people I'm associated with are doing, and so we are continuously being hammered. So it is isn't an easy thing. But if you want, let us know who and what you stand for and what you want to do, and I think it is time to start organizing. Now you say, well, what about the Tea Party? The Tea Party is doing that, isn't it? They're doing it. No, the Tea Party only wants to play by the rules. If you play by the rules, they're Obama's rules. They're the rules of an evil government. You can't win in those rules. The IRS comes and uh, arrests you and takes your money away and uh, and takes your status away. If that's what you want to do, you can do that. I don't don't discourage you, but that's where it ends up. Now, are there tea parties doing something like what I'm talking about? Not that I'm aware of. But maybe they could be brought to that level. Because you've got to start thinking about this in terms of the next year or two, not what has been. What has been, already has shown, didn't work and can't work. Because... The government's against you, and there's no way to change that right now. So instead, we have to do things that are more severe. And in some cases, they may be illegal. But again, I'm not telling anybody to do anything illegal, because we're talking about this only in terms of an intellectual discussion. But nonetheless, that's where it may be going to. Now, what other things would potentially lead to an improvement in this situation? Well, you see, if people get organized more around um, spiritual ideas and spiritual principles, then they're not confronted or not, we'll say, fearful by evil, uh, fearful of evil, excuse me. And so, the, the fear of evil is is a big problem. You might say, well, why are you telling people not to go out and fight? Those people aren't afraid. Well, I think they're misguided. Uh, the way to fight is smarter. Evil is fighting on a mental level now, not so much astrally on a physical side, where you, you know you don't want to bring it down to that level. That's where it's going to win it. Let's keep it mental. Let's keep it mental. Right. Yes. Okay. So we're. What are the other things that can be done? Well, if we could organize uh, the teaching of angels' wisdom, at least as it applies to the particular circumstances we're in, it doesn't have to be about all the elements of angels' wisdom, but just about how it's affecting the spiritual development of America, that would be a good way of doing it. That's going to take uh, programs that can be developed to do that, and it's going to take financing, money. So some of the money that doesn't get paid for taxes maybe goes into that. Or if it does get paid for taxes, but there's other monies that can come from other places, then it comes from there. The object is that that's a way of really making a difference. Also, it helps uh, if you decide uh, to make it very difficult for the, um, we'll say, the economy to go in the direction of where evil was trying to make it go. Remember, the economy, uh, as as people who are progressive want it to be, want a type of economy in which the United States is constantly paying for the improvement and betterment of uh, nations that supposedly it is harmed, you see. And so the best thing to do in all of those situations is make sure none of that money goes in that direction, which may mean that you don't spend money for uh, the development of other nations at this point, and maybe more for helping people here in the United States, and particularly people in the United States, who are against Obama. Now, I know this sounds weird, but what I'm suggesting now is a bizarre thing but it actually might work, and that is if the 50 to 60% of the people who uh, are against the evil that's taking place, they only do business with other people who are against the evil that's taking place, and none of the people who are progressives or for the evil or even maybe neutral. If you do that, what happens is it not only crushes the government, it crushes progressivism. Progressivism is the belief that someone has power and control over others because they're better than them. Well, people don't feel that way when they don't have enough money to buy food and shoes. And they won't if what I just said were to take place on a mass scale. Of course, it would take some organizing. You'd have to know who's who. But that's not so hard today, believe it or not. Most people are pretty visible. Like I said, this thing with the Internet and everything else, you're visible. It's not its not easy to hide yourself. And progressives are not hard to find. They really aren't. Because the things they're doing are to control others. That's their whole thing. So it's easy, kind of easy to find them. And uh, then if you say, well, that's someone or somebody's company or somebody's organization that I will have nothing to do with and I won't get, spend any money involved with them, they might make widgets and I'll buy my widgets elsewhere or I'll use something, I'll get a Gidget instead of a widget next time. And so you do that and within a short order, it's sort of like not paying your taxes, the same thing, I'm talking about within three to six months, you can really upset the progressive consciousness. Those people start saying, hey, Obama's not even helping me anymore. Evil isn't helping me anymore. And not believing in God isn't helping me anymore. Because the people who know better are not doing business with me anymore. Oh. And you could say, well, can you really reach that level of organization? Yes. Especially during the next year it's possible to do. Before this, no. Obama was too hidden. People couldn't see him. He has made a fatal error in opinion going beyond the evil of this world, saying, well, I can expose myself because I'm so powerful and great, I can do anything and get around it, get away with it. The fourth estate has kind of been his uh, misunderstanding because he actually believes them. (laughs) They're just reflecting back himself, but uh, he, he buys into it, you know. So this is good. And I say Obama, I'm talking about his whole regime. I'm not talking about just him as a person. I'm talking about everybody that works with him. So there is a way around the situation, but you've got to be much more creative, and you have to think outside the box. Okay? All right, so what would happen if we did this economic thing I just suggested, which is pretty far out? I said three to six months. I'm not kidding you. Because there so much, um, there's so much uh, need on the part of progressives to continue to gain uh, power and control over others, usually through, through money, that their own corrupt system can't work without having it. They don't have the money to even keep other people in line that they control who are corrupt. So the system starts failing very much from inside out. So believe me, it isn't about just whether or not they're going to have food on their table. It's going to whether they're going to have ten people working for them who are cronies doing what they want them to do because they can't get them to do it anymore because they're all greedy and they don't follow a system based upon anything other than that. And when that system is no longer feed being fed by the people who are ignorant and just you know, oh okay, I'll give them my money, I'll buy their things, I'll do this or that. Well, when you say, no, I won't, and you don't, there you go. Yeah. Pretty interesting. And that's not illegal, by the way. <laughs> so I guess I can promote that. And I would say, yeah, I'll stand in line for that. That's really a good thing. I encourage people to do Everybody should be doing that. That's a good thing. Great thing. we got to compile a list. And you got to think about it quite a bit because you don't want to have someone on there by mistake. Or, but you know, and each person's going to have to look at it carefully and decide whether that person is or is not the person they want to do business with. But I think that overall, there's enough understanding of this, especially if we teach it. Remember, I'm showing how you develop this. You've got to teach it to people first because they can't want to know, okay, I don't know how to know a progressive, so how do I know who I want to do business with? you, know, you got to understand what a progressive is and who they are and what they're doing. You know, you got to do all this stuff. All right. So just just to be comfortable in in this situation, we have to understand that. So there's maybe some hotels you don't go to. There's some people you won't buy a house from. There may be people you won't, you won't uh, keep your money in their bank. You won't do this. Or you won't do that. So you have a, a a general plan. Now it doesn't have to be airtight. It doesn't have to be. Well, gee, I may have slipped up. I too, I actually bought a hamburger from somebody that it's really a progressive. Don't worry about it. And hopefully you'll be eating tofu next weekend. But no, I'm kidding. That I mean, yes, it's, it's better if you, if I, in my opinion, to be vegetarian. But that doesn't matter. I don't care. The issue here is, how do we overcome evil at this point? And evil is among us. It's here. That's the point. It's here right now. We need to do something right now about it. And we've only got a short time, so I'm coming up with things that are short short order. And they are part of a plan, a bigger plan, which I'm not going to tell you about. But this is part of it, honestly. This is a piece. It's not that big of a piece, but it's a piece of that plan. I hope you're hearing me. Listen. Okay, let me give myself another. I got I got about thirty minutes, and I got to keep my voice going for those thirty minutes so that I can continue to tell you more. All right. So let's say all of that is happening. Let's say we've got. Let's say a year from now, what I just suggested is actually taking place. You, I guarantee you. I guarantee you if everything I just said is actually happening, even at fifty percent level, not even a hundred percent of of all the people that could, but half the people that could did the evil will stop. Now, why will it stop? Because although uh it's still getting fifty percent of power from money because right now we're talking about money, Uh, it it won't be able to keep up with the rest of what I'm going to describe. So in other words, if we can get to like half, we're well on the way to success. Now, what's the rest of the success? The rest of the success is that the Constitution of the United States needs to be strengthened in favor of the rights of the people. We need about a dozen amendments i'm not I don't have I got to do a whole show on this, so I don't have in thirty minutes I cannot possibly cover this. This is way more and going over some of the elements of how to change the Constitution. well, you can't change the constitution until you get to the fifty percent level I just said because that's when that's when the people who are uh some of the Democrats that will be in the Senate that would be needed to change the Constitution unless you're going to do it the other way, which is, would take too long, oh, through the conventions in the states, etc. Um Those people will get so afraid when they see that, let's say, half the people, a quarter of the people, aren't paying their income taxes anymore. A quarter of the people are not doing business with, uh, with people who are progressives a quarter of the people are not sending... That's half a half. You understand what I'm saying? A quarter of the people are not sending their kids to any progressive schools anymore that were were before. I mean, some people already aren't, so I'm not counting them. A quarter more. And uh, a quarter of the people have gotten together and are working together and maybe have even moved together to work against the darkness in our society And a quarter of the people are sending money and help to countries and places to prevent evil from taking over there. Maybe even to support an army outside of this country, not our army. And they're doing things that are extra political outside of the government. So a quarter of the people are no longer functioning as as a political unit within the government of the United States, or for or with the government of the United States. That's what's happening. When we reach that level, the remaining senators that you will need in the Senate, there's enough in the House already, there will be after this fall, but the remaining senators are going to say, we can't take this. And they're going to do one of two things. They will impeach the president, or they'll just override his vetoes, which will be coming. And they will... Put into action new laws. Some of those new laws are going to need to be companioned with about 12 amendments to the Constitution. And those amendments are necessary to prevent the evil from continuing because the United States did not go far enough at the time that it was created because they didn't think of these things. And so the kinds of things that need to be improved in the Constitution is the court system, I suggest, be converted in the federal courts. I don't think you should do this yet in the state courts. That's up to the states to choose, where there's no longer just single judges. We need three judges and two out of three judges. This is at the at the lowest level. Two out of three judges uh, to make decisions. There needs to be a separate, a uh, new kind of Supreme Court. It's not a typical Supreme Court that... Um, that is not a court for anything other than for what would be called a court of impeachment. And that court would recommend that certain uh, politicians be impeached, and they would be impeached and presented to the Supreme Court directly. And I suggest that maybe two new Supreme Courts be added because there would be so much greater load, and that cases are just equally divided between them. So that they can be heard much more quickly instead of years, months of time. And you have enough enough Supreme Courts to hear as, the, as as there are, you know, to keep it within less than a year to be heard. So nobody could take over the country just literally within a term in office. And then I also suggest some other, now that's with the court system. I'm going very quickly here. And I also suggest that there there be an amendment that deals with the economy, that the economy always have a free market system and that the government cannot interfere with the free market system uh, as it has and does. And further, that the collection of taxes um, be no more than a certain percentage of gross national product also Determined by a few other factors, and to be determined by a separate uh, uh, governmental body that cannot be brought into the White House, and that all of the um, all of the things like, as an example, that would be part of this would be the population, the people, the census could not be brought in the White House. You may not know this, but the president has taken control of the census, and now the census is bogus. It's no longer, and yet, the census controls the distribution of of Representatives, all kinds of things. So you, that has to stop. And did that be part of this new constitution? I, I mean, I'm not getting rid of the old one, I'm just improving it, increasing the strength of it against the government and towards the people, because our government is limited government. It's to prevent the government from overcoming us by having a constitution. Okay, so the, con- and then in addition, Throw in some more stuff so that you get an idea again, I don't have time to really go through this I'm just throwing out some ideas here. Some additional elements to the Constitution that would be uh, I think very helpful would be to have term limits. why term limits because there's too much corruption and although you lose the expertise, uh people could be always kept on as uh, you know as uh, mentors they you can stay as a mentor, but you don't have a vote, and so you can help people to understand what you've learned through uh, the tenure that you had. I would suggest probably three terms. That this is the most anybody can be in government. Three terms is in federal government. Three terms as a representative, two as a uh, senator, and um, uh, you can do one and then the other, and then you can be president still for the two two uh, terms and. But I also suggest the following. This is going to shock you. I think it's time to have three presidents and not one. Uh, and uh, they could be elected from the general population. Uh, but the, they are, and I still believe they should be represented by uh, by the state's voting as well. Uh, so I'm saying that the electoral system should be strengthened that weakened actually. And the uh the reason we want three presidents and all decisions are made by a two to three two out of three vote is because the present system allows too much power to be in one person's hands. It was never ever thought or assumed by the fi- forefathers, the, the the ageless wisdom brilliance that created this tremendous constitution and government that the president would ever have power that has been usurped and uh, presently being used. Uh, And I would make it so that even the concept of executive privilege would be restricted to only uh, the ability to regulate specific functions in very limited ways of different agencies, but in no way to circumvent any law. And they would also make an act of treason to not follow the law faithfully, as the oath of office is. And the breaking of that would be that board of maybe 12 members that would call for somebody's impeachment. And they could also be found guilty of treason if, after they're impeached if, uh, if the Supreme Court says that yeah, it looks like they should be impeached. Now, remember, impeachment is supposed to be a political process. So what I'm saying is that there is still the need probably to have some input if someone's going to be impeached. But this impeachment board will carry so many votes in the Senate. The Senate tries it. So the impeachment board gets 12 votes. So if the Senate has only 60 votes, the 12 votes will put it over the 67 that are needed to uh, impeach somebody. Are you following me? Okay. Uh, let's say there was only uh, 55 votes. Well, the 12 votes would bring it up. So all you would need would be 55 votes in the Senate, and you could impeach somebody. If an impeachment board, all 12 of those members, it's again, it's like another, uh, it's 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 like another court. It's another court of impeachment. Or strictly for those kinds of purposes. It may have other things it does, which I have come up with some of them. Okay, some other ideas. The, I think the laws about uh, uh, protecting uh, numerous rights about people's uh, spiritual life, etc., need to be strengthened. Uh, not because we don't have the First Amendment. The First Amendment is terrific. I think it's a wonderful thing. But it, it doesn't deal with the complexities of a society as we have it today. And I particularly think that we need to protect privacy rights way better than, because nobody ever expected an internet and cell phones and this and that. I mean, we've got to have way more protections in the rights of privacy. The rights of citizens overall have to be strengthened in so many different ways. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's. It's intolerable to believe how so much has been lost in such a short time, most of it in the last six years, but there was some loss for ten years before that. So I mean, it's been eroding consistently for for uh, quite a few years in the and but very quickly in the last uh, six years since uh, or five and a half years since Obama's coming off. It's terrible. So okay, so all of that uh, will help. And the way to get that through is to get enough people, about a year from now, get enough people that are Democrats, because we won't have a 67 majority Democrats in there. there There's going to be probably 10 of them that will have to be swayed, right? Something like that. I don't know the exact number, but it's going to be something like that. And they might be swayed if 25% of the people did all the other stuff that I have brought up so far and the uh, idea, you see, that I'm suggesting. And this is all doable. These are not things that are crazy out there, impossible to do. These are things that can be done, and we can make it happen. Changing the Constitution with a dozen or so articles, is going to be no small feat, but it can be done. Even if half of them pass within the first year or two, it would be amazing. And remember, these articles become law instantly as soon as they're approved by all the uh, two-thirds of the legislatures in the states, and that's it. And uh, because a couple that deal with the presidency itself, I think, which would really make a huge difference, especially the question of treason, et cetera, uh, with with an impeachment board. But that would scare the heck out of them, wouldn't it? I think that would stop them. Now, you, you can get to some other things. Uh, included in it as soon as a person is found uh, uh, guilty of an impeachable offense, they lose all the powers they have. So and Not guilty, but as soon as they're found uh, by the board to be potentially guilty, they have to still be tried. Um, they are found to be, um, at that particular point, uh, no longer having their powers until the, the, the trial takes place, which means that they can't then do a, a legal round, you know, turnaround and say, oh, well, I have to impose martial law now because there's too many things going on in the country, and we, you know, we're under attack, and this and that. You know, it'd be easy for the president to create a situation where there's a tremendous attack on the United States, either by others or by some covert operation in the United States, to make it look like we're under tremendous threat and there has to be martial law imposed and all elections are postponed. And if you think that can't happen, I want you to think harder about it, please. Okay. So, now, I've kind of got a, we'll say, a whole picture now of how to move forward. Now, I want to go, I've got just a short time here to talk about this. I want to go past the the crisis of the next year or two. I want to talk about what the position in the United States is, and North America in general, but... Of what we're here really to do in terms of the world, if we can get through this bump in the road, which is a pretty bad one, and if the next president isn't continuation of Obama and or worse, and if it isn't Obama altogether, um, then and another administration just like it, then the answer is that we. We have to act very quickly to deal with the evil that is throughout the world. That does not mean that we are here to take over the world. Remember, the Knights Templar knew they couldn't do that. They had the ability to, much greater than the United States does right now. And they chose not to. We don't don't have that right. You cannot use force over everybody to make them do your thing or you become a progressive yourself. (laughs) You're just back into the same problems everybody else is doing. The answer here is a high level of force against the evil itself. So if you've got a group that are running around the Middle East killing people, you stop them. And how long would that take? Well, I'd say a bunch of uh, drones uh, with napalm bombs would probably stop people running around the desert, even if there's 20,000 of them, which there aren't right now, anyway. Um, in short order, napalm is a terrible weapon, but it's extremely, uh, we'll say, pervasive. It can hit a huge number of people in a short time and wipe them out. It wipes out their equipment as well, because most equipment is very heat intolerant when it gets to like four or 500 degrees. It's gone. Napalm can reach well over 1,000. So you, you reach a point where you you may have to do this. Now, I don't want to drone huge numbers of everybody. I I want to say, though, if you've got an army that's really moving and advancing through a desert, they are certainly vulnerable to that kind of attack. They can bury themselves even in the sand, and the temperatures will be so hot, they'll just become fried. There is no way really out of the situation. They'll be hit too fast, too. Drones are effective weapons for that purpose. They're not really effective for surgical strikes where you have them intermingled with other people who are relatively innocent then in that situation you have another kind of battle to be dealt with and probably you're going to need to have some kind of more selective uh, fighting force but I don't think that we need to take over countries we need to allow countries to become free and virtuous Enlightened, which was going to take about, like I said, probably five to ten years. In every country we enter, Syria is going to be one. Iraq is going to be one. Iran is going to be one. Remember what happened in nine. There's a lot of people in Iran, probably about half, who who want to be freed of the shackles. We work with them, and they overthrow their government, and we help them. It wouldn't take much, believe me. It's much easier than you think. But I don't want to tell you too much because too much will be dangerous because it might defeat what the ideas are that I think are in the plans for evil. We need to put anti-missile, anti-nuclear missiles everywhere because we don't have enough nukes right now. Uh, The uh, mutually assured destruction issue is tipped totally in the direction of the other side, Uh, so we're going to have to have anti missile, missiles, and other kinds of anti-nuclear devices, real Star Wars, and we can finally do that. So that's another thing that will need to be done, a lot of defensive actions. There's also, uh, I think it's something that needs to be done, is to make a lot of new kinds of weapons, which I am not going to tell you completely about, that I have ideas about, that will allow the deactivation of people without being deadly force. It's not necessary to kill people any longer. Most of the time, this is silly. And what's coming in about 20 years is the ability to disconnect the mental and astral mind from the uh, etheric uh, physical body. And when that happens, people will be have their midbrains operated on to prevent them from acting out dangerous activities that are caused by severe personality disorders in people that have uh, evil uh, as part of their system. We'll identify this evil, and instead of just imprisoning people, we'll tell them you're imprisoned and you can't get out until you can prove that you don't have this problem anymore, or you'll be in for life. Or your other option is you can choose to die, and we will give you the poison you can take it yourself if you want. Or uh, you can have this technical operation which is coming in 20 years and you can do that and you will deactivate the evil in yourself for a length of time. Actually, it may not be permanent. It might only last 5, 10, 20 years depending upon what, how it's enacted. And then we reevaluate people. But it doesn't change. It doesn't get rid of their personality. It changes the disordered part of their personality from being able to take actions to an extreme enough level that will destroy or kill other people or make them into terrorists or whatever. You might say, "Well, that sounds impossible." And didn't you say you can't force people to think a certain way? Well, you're not. They can think any way they want. You're, you're preventing them from taking action or making it very difficult for them to take action on the thoughts whole creative idea, and it's been thought of and used in other dimensions in the uh, astral world. So at this point, it's something to consider, and it's going to happen. I I don't think we can stop it from happening. I uh, I talked to some people who think that they're upset about it. It's coming, but I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent. It's just going to happen, and then we'll have to deal with it. That's about 20 years out but it's still coming closer, and there'll be some experiments with it in 10 years or so, maybe just on animals. Um, The other thing that's going to happen is robotics, and we're going to have the ability to build fighting machines. Now, this, uh, you know, like uh, the Terminator movies, you know, that could be scary, but uh, one way to do this is to make the fighting machines encrypted with uh, uh, something called quantum physics methods that prevent others from taking over the machines and prevent the machines themselves from taking themselves over. You can do that, but that technology is not quite there yet. And in order to make it there, we've got to get rid of some of the evil because the evil could reverse it, and kind of reverse it into doing something the opposite of what its intention is. So the first thing you've got to do is you got to free yourself from some of the shackles of evil so it doesn't, you, it doesn't turn against us. But once we know that we can do this, we can make it so it's relatively safe and we won't have an army of robots coming after us and we won't have robots taking, being taken over by radical people who want to destroy us and we're creating their own army of robots doing that. We can make this happen so that, it, it, you know, and the robots themselves could use some of these things I was saying or talking about that are non-fatal ways of defeating the operations of people who are aggressive and hostile. That's what's coming. And and weapons, even for self-defense purposes, should be no longer, in my opinion, necessarily fatal. That could be they can knock a person out or to make them non-mobile in a certain way so that they don't... Have to pose any threat, and uh, for at least a period of time, until then you can get the police to come, etc. I mean, we can't protect ourselves just by calling the police because by the time the police get there, it's too late, right? They're just there to take a report and see who got killed or whatever. You, know, you need to protect yourself and to be able to do that. You need to, be able to use enough force that disables somebody but doesn't hurt them on any permanent basis. Typically, guns are not the answer for that, or knives, or whatever, because they cause serious or fatal harm to people. We have a lot better ways of doing that. And I, again, I could mention too much about that. Right now. But but still, those are coming, and they will be here soon, and so they will be helpful in this overall fight against evil. Because evil is empowering crazy people to do terrible acts. And the present system is allowing it to take place, even encouraging it to take place. If you look at Obama's methods and how he's dealing with it on a federal level, it's not happening everywhere locally, luckily, but it is in the states that are "quote unquote" Obamaized. I mean, if you live in Massachusetts, I mean, I know someone listening right, who who lives in Massachusetts, and uh, that state. Uh, it's a free fall, and the evil folks are out beaten up and taken away and stealing from the from the good people. And uh, they're protected by the government, the Massachusetts government. So, I mean, that's the way it is there. Right? And that's, that's that's part of the plan. That's part of evil's plan, is to have it everywhere like that. It's a scary, scary thing. Oh, wow. And it's just not, I'm not picking on just people in Massachusetts. And there's some people in Massachusetts that aren't like that, by the way. But it's it's just that the majority are, and so it's a scary thing because it's not someplace I would want to live. You can't protect yourself because everything that you could use to protect yourself is illegal. So you know you, you become a victim by by law, by edict, by fiat. All right. So, uh, oh jeez, almost out of time here, and I got another thing that All right. So the the uh, remaining future issues of this situation are. If we're going to make it, we're going to need to to also have a country that is an example of light. An example of light is one in which we have the maximum amount of creation in light and the minimum amount of creation of darkness. Way the opposite of where it has been in the last five or ten years, for sure, I mean, longer, than, and it needs to get rid of corruption or make it almost non-existent in all elements of, of control and power institutions, including government, or any other large institution like a, a business or a company. It needs to have within it the caring for all people in all lands that shows us to be who we were meant to be, the most spiritual country on earth for all time up to this time and if we don't become that if we are not willing to make that who we are we are destined to be destroyed not necessarily by evil by the way evil does not want to destroy the United States or earth it just wants to take it over. But part of the plan is that Earth cannot have another chance because it had one chance already. That was to mystify angels' Wisdom, give us 10,000 years, and see if we can recover, create a place like America, etc. If this fails, so does Earth. Now, Earth is just one planet out of a trillion But it's an important planet because we're doing an important experiment. And this experiment will just fail. Our souls will go elsewhere. Don't worry about that. There's no end to existence because of it. But it would be a tragic, tragic ending for such a bold and tremendously hopeful development of overcoming the worst kinds of evil and becoming something great out of the turmoil that has been. It would break my heart to see it happen. But that's what we're facing. Those are the, those are the outcomes. To become the greatest, or to become destroyed. No in between. So don't worry about Earth becoming fully evil and be going out and conquering other worlds and those. It's not going to happen. We'll just be destroyed. We'll wake up one day and suddenly a big rock from the sky will fall and Earth will break into a billion pieces and that'll be in Or the sun will heat up to an unusually hot level or fry. It doesn't matter. There's ways of doing it. It doesn't take a lot. But don't think of it that way. Think about everything else I said tonight because that's the way. There's more to it than what I said way more. I did not cover everything, but I hope this has really helped to see how ageless wisdom and the spiritual development of America will Help to create this world into a better place of life. And until next week, this has been Niles McFlower for Why Life Is.